Loving God, open our ears that we may hear the voices of truth you send clearly. And while the notes fall on our ears, everything false will disappear. We wait to see your will for us, O God. Send your spirit to illuminate us that we may comprehend the lessons you have for us. Amen. Good morning. Our first reading this morning is from the Old Testament, Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 to 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says, says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall no longer fear fear or be dismayed, or shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The responsive readings are taken from the Old Testament, Psalm 46, and are on our screen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, Therefore, we will not fear, though though the the earth earth should change, though though the mountains mountains shake in the the heart of the sea. sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. Nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Our next reading is from the New Testament, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. 
For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power so that you may, all, may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And the next reading, um, also from the New Testament, Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he's the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, in, we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. What I proclaim to you, I do so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Some of you may recall a show quite some time ago called Reasonable Doubts. And the story was about a female defense lawyer who's rep represented a man convicted of two brutal killings who was appearing before the uh, parole board. He was seeking parole after serving just 14 years, and lo and behold, she succeeded in getting him released. Well, a police officer who was present at the original crime gives the lawyer a rough time after the hearing, telling her that she should not be representing such people, that the man she was representing was nothing than dirt. Later that day, the police officer discovers that the lawyer's mother had died from cancer the night before. And so the next time he sees the lawyer, he says, I'm sorry. Had I known your mother had died, I would have gone easier on you. And another character in uh, the story, the chief prosecutor, who was the main star, also gives the defense counsel a hard time for representing a killer before the parole board. And she, too, later hears about the mother's death. The next time that the prosecutor sees the defense counsel, she also says to her, Sorry, had I known, I would have gone easier on you. You know, it makes me ask myself, and probably you should ask yourself, how often do we say, uh, had I known, and yet still do things that we shouldn't be doing? My friends, it happens all the time. In the normal course of everyday living, when we're moving too fast or feeling in need of help, we fail to recognize what's happening around us. We forget what we should be about. Sometimes we load up other people with our burdens and pains. We pour out all our complaints and troubles only to discover later that the person is dealing with their own emotional burden a burden far heavier than the one we're carrying. Sometimes we ask someone to do this or that thing without considering their workload. We just assume that the other person is or should be willing to help us, only to discover later on that they just put in a double shift at work or that a relative of theirs has just been in an accident. Other times, you know, in good humor, we might tease someone about something, thinking that we know them well enough to have a bit of fun with them, only to discover that he or she is very sensitive about the very thing we thought was safe to tease them about. And we realize that we've blown it, that we've acted inappropriately, and we seek out the person concerned. And in almost every case, we say something like, had I known, 
I wouldn't have asked you that. Had I known, I wouldn't have said that. Had I known, I wouldn't have bothered you. Had I known. I mention this today because as we come to the end of the church year, we're asked to remember that when all is said and done, Jesus is our king. And I can't help but think that when it comes to obedience to our king, when it comes to our willingness to show him our respect and honor, many of us make the same mistake with him that we make with other people. We blunder. We go ahead with business as usual, being casual, abrupt, and insensitive until all of a sudden we realize that something special is going on. What is this, this had I known excuse? You know, I'm sure it's a genuine kind of excuse. People are very sincere when they offer it. But does it really count for a lot in the long run? Shouldn't we be caring and loving and respectful all the time? Shouldn't we always pay attention before we say or do something to where the person is at to who the person is, to what the situation is. Shouldn't we honor our Lord and King all the time? Not just on special occasions, not just on Sunday mornings. Think of the crucifixion of Christ for a moment. That passage we heard read from Luke just a few minutes ago. Just about everybody there from the guards and the Pharisees to the thief, or one of the thieves, and the cross next to him, taunted Jesus saying, if you're the Messiah, if you're the king, then save yourself and save us. It's pretty obvious from this gospel story that none of these people recognize Jesus for who he is. And this, it seemed to the M meant that uh, they could abuse him and just as they would any other convicted criminal. To them, nothing was going on special. Just business as usual. Business without thinking. Business without considering what God would want from them. Whether or not this man on the cross was a Messiah or simply a misguided fool. I believe that if those who had acted this way at the foot of the cross could come back and stand before Christ today, as we can stand before him, they would say to him, sorry, Jesus. Had I known, I would have gone easier on you. Had I known, I would have taken your part like the other thief took your part. I would have wept for you instead of jeering at you. My friends, what does it mean to claim that Jesus is our Messiah, our King, our Lord? Doesn't it mean that we're to act differently, to show him our respect, 
and to strive to honor him and obey him and serve him at all times. Especially if he's actually here with us. But what happens when we fail to recognize that our God and our King is actually here among us? What happens when the King is not sitting on his throne or announcing his presence among us with trumpets and waving flags? My friends, recall what the prophet Isaiah said about Christ, about our God and King. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire. So it was that he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with grief. Oh, had I known. There's a story about a ghoul who was meditating in his mountain cave. And when he opened his eyes, he discovered an unexpected visitor sit before him, the abbot of a well-known monastery. What is it you seek, asked the guru. Well, the abbot recounted a tale of woe. At one time, his monastery had been famous throughout the Eastern world. Its cells were filled with young aspirants and its church resounded to the chants of monks. But hard times had come on the monastery. People no longer flocked there to nourish their spirits. The aspirants had dried up and the church was almost silent. There were only a handful of monks left and they went about their duties with heavy hearts. Now this is what the abbot wanted to know. Is it because of some sin of ours that the monastery has gone down to that state. Yes, said the guru, a sin of ignorance. And what, that, what might that sin be? One of your, in your numbers is the Messiah in disguise, and you're, and you're ignorant of this, replied the guru. And having said that, he closed his eyes and returned to his meditation. Well, throughout the long journey back to the monastery, the abbot's heart was beat fast as he thought that the Messiah, the Messiah himself, had returned to earth and was right there in his monastery. How? Is it that he failed to recognize him? And who could it be? Brother Cook, Brother Sarsistan, Brother Treasurer, Brother Pryor? No, not he. He had uh, too many defects. But you know, the girl had told him that the Messiah was in disguise. So that, those defects might be a part of the disguise. Come to think of it, everybody in the monastery had some defects. And one of them had to be the Messiah. 
Well, back in the monastery, the abbot assembled all the monks and told them what he had discovered. And they looked at one another in disbelief. The Messiah, here, unbelievable. But he was supposed to be here in disguise. So maybe. But what if it was so-and-so? Or the other one over there? Or and or and or. One thing was certain. If the Messiah was there in disguise, it wasn't likely that they would recognize him. So they took to treating everyone with respect and consideration. You never know, they said to themselves when they dealt with one another. Maybe, maybe this is the one. The result of all of this was that the atmosphere of the monastery became vibrant with joy. Soon dozens of aspirants were seeking admission to the order. And once again, the church echoed with the holy and joyful chant of monks who were aglow with the spirit of love. My friends, Jesus, our Messiah, our King, is here somewhere in this church, somewhere in this community. He has no form of majesty about him that we should look at him. Nothing about his appearance that we should desire him. But believe it, he's here. And we owe him because he is our King and Savior. We owe him our praise, our obedience, our special honor and care. Not just in our times of prayer when we address him on the throne, but in each minute of every day as we go about our normal business. Well, in, closer, in closing, it's my sincere prayer that we'll all strive to use the excuse, had I only known, to use that excuse less, especially when we're dealing with our king. Because we do know and we are called to show him our respect and our devotion each and every day. May it be so. Amen. And now unto God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.